Hello. Hey, Merlin. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? No, I'm doing quite well. Got a different mic again. Yeah? Which one this time? I'm back to the 87A. Okay. Marco says it sounds better, so I'm trying it again this week. Ooh, I vote for the other way. Okay. How are you? We're doing good. Yeah, yeah this well, one wait, to wait, me... Wait, wait, wait. What don't you like about this? Uh, the muffled, strangely weird sound that doesn't sound like you in person. Hmm. I like the way you sound in person. And the mic that makes you sound the most like you sound in person is my vote. And that's the Shure SM7 that you were on. You don't sound bad on this one, but I, I, like, I like the sound of your voice on the other one because it sounds more like you. Yeah, I, I think they make me sound like different orchestra instruments. So like this oboe one, or clarinet? Mm, yes, but this, this one's a little more trombone. Yeah, uh, no, I hear it. I hear it. More trombone, and I think the uh, the Shure SM7B is maybe more like a alto sax. You know a- what? And the, and the road makes me sound like a clarinet Here. or an oboe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I go with that. Uh, here's a question: Which of them mm-hmm. makes you sound more like you sound to yourself when you listen back to it? I can't tell the difference unless I listen to recordings. Yeah. Uh, I don't notice that much difference, but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't you know, know what I, I think. I think they all sound really, the last two mics that you've had all sound really, really good and close enough that we're just nitpicking. Really? They're, they're both excellent. I, I got to stick to something. Yeah. 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 I got, all, I got all kinds of weird audio stuff. I got to work out, but you, I will say you sound very good. This one doesn't, this, uh, the, I can't mute with this, with this task cam. I'm still getting the one channel thing. Plus, I can't mute. You know, no. Oh, one you cares need about a this. you need a shortstop. Yeah. Well, I suppose so. Is that that's that's what you put in between? You put that in between, and it. I like to put it right after the mic before anything else. So, if you're lifting your clouds, or if you're uh, taskamming, or whatever it is you're doing, you would put it in between. Ah, uh, I uncloud lifted for this one. Good. It's not a well, that's mic. an improvement. Hmm. What do you got against the cloud lifter? Nothing. I think you sound better than the time you were using this with a cloud lifter. So confused. I know. <laughs> but uh, those are great because you can, they, they make a desk mounted version, which I don't like. And then they make one that you can just sort of stomp on. And a lot of different brands are out there. The shortstop is the one we use because they're the most rugged and can take oh, the most Oh, you can put abuse. it on the floor oh, like, a, okay. like a rat pedal. Please put it on the floor like a rat pedal. That's a really good idea. Okay, that's now that's intriguing. That's where it's yeah. supposed to go. yeah. It's weird. I, 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 I'm trying to figure out how much of audio stuff has to do with El Capitan. I think there's some El, El Capitan related audio stuff happening for people, mm. but also it's just audio is just a weird thing. Very it's, weird thing. It's not, and it's not consistent across different machines like you would think it would be. And I'll tell you that I think with, uh, with the Mac Pro line that that's where you would think the best audio stuff would be but that's not necessarily the case either so it it might not be your computer there is a big market for third-party audio interfaces for that reason even when Mm -hmm. you're just plugging in headphones i mean that can make a huge difference in the way things sound it's crazy audio is sound siphon uh, though go away from sound flower i'm trying to avoid texts in general good um paul (laughs) says smart Paul says the very newest version of Soundflower, I think, will work with El Capitan. But, but I mean, it's, it's one of the very few things remaining today where it still feels like the 90s a little oh, bit. Totally With great. audio. And I mean, just this, is, this might be somewhat interesting, even if you're not in the podcasting biz. Uh, like, for example, uh, with the last two mixers that I've had, 
running any kind of two-channel mixer into a Mac will be fine as long as you're using something like GarageBand or Logic that lets you say, make this into a sing- single signal. Mm. Like a single, take, take all the you know, channels and make it into a mono, mono signal as opposed to the default in things like, guess what, call recorder, mm-hmm. QuickTime, in which case it'll just record the straight, in my case, left channel. Um, and that's, there's no, in, there, you can only do that in your DAW, as they say. It, unless, <laughs> unless you have a, a, um, an app that allows you to change that, you can't change that. Um, and then you get stuff like, uh, which one was it? It was the, I forget which one it was, but some uh, fair number of even fairly recent uh, interfaces, and by that I just mean the thing where you plug your mic into a device and then have that go into your Mac. A fair number of those just don't want to play well with USB three. Yeah, you got to make. In my case, I go through my DOS keyboard because it's USB two. So you're, wait, you're better. Go- oh wow! It, not always, but in some cases, it, it, that can be a thing that happens. And then you get into the whole muting thing, where like if you've got a Rode Podcaster, muting should be fine because it's just a USB device. But if it's not. You can go into the uh, like audio MIDI setup, mm-hmm. whatever that thing is called, mm-hmm. and you'll see that it's actually it's unmutable. You can't change anything about it. So it's it's very strange. But I mean, why do I say it's like the '90s? Because it reminds me a little bit of the kind of voodoo you'd have to do with things like hard drives. Are they in the right order? Are you have you terminated them correctly? You know, with your SCSI uh, ports. Uh, I don't miss those days, Dan. No. Man, I remember it used to be so expensive. Like, I, I, am I remembering right? Like a SCSI 50 was like 30, 40, 50 bucks, the- <laughs> which seemed like a lot at the time. Yeah. For the cable. Now, today, you know, everything in an Apple store costs 30 bucks, but yeah. I don't know. It seemed like a lot. Lot to worry about. And I don't know. And now it's all still shaking out because, like, what's happening with, you know, like Thunderbolt? It's kind of there on stuff. It's not there on that much stuff. Wasn't Thunderbolt supposed to be like the. The thing that was going to do everything for everybody? Oh, yeah. It was supposed to be everything to everyone. It was, you know, you could do video. You could do, obviously, audio. You could break everything out. It had a, a support for everything, it, especially the higher bandwidth stuff. Like, for video capture, that's where everything went really, really quickly. So, like, all the stuff that we were doing for video here, had oh, it had to be Thunderbolt. Everything was Thunderbolt. And then the HDMI could come. So, you could have one Thunderbolt thing, and you could have output to like multiple devices. You could have USB, FireWire, HDMI all over the same port. But that never really... So what happened? What's, what, what's the reality today? Because it seems like you, you heard about it so much and I know it's still there and it's a standard, I guess, but it, I feel like I don't see that much Thunderbolt stuff even like at a prosumer level. Well, a guy, that's... Maybe just because I'm kind of new to the world of Thunderbolt. But if that, you're in the video space, it's going to be Thunderbolt. And a lot of the higher-end audio things, like the Apollo that, that Jim is such a fan of, that I love too, uh, that, that we use for our audio stuff, the, those have switched from Fire... So the things that you, that you would have found in the FireWire space are now in... Uh, they are going into the Thunderbolt space, typically. So if mm-hmm. it was like a high-end audio thing or high-end video thing, those used to be FireWire, now they're Thunderbolt. And I don't know what's going to happen in that space. I guess it's going to stick around? Yeah. I still have a, um, a toaster, mm-hmm. not, the, not the Amiga thing, oh. but I still have one of those little toaster things that you can pop a naked hard drive into. And I just use oh, FireWire. Yeah. That's actually super handy if you want to like find something from a very, very old drive or right. something like that. That's handy to have around, but it's not super fast. I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's, I think they were talking about, gosh, everybody has talked about this, but it's so interesting that weird, I don't know if you call it an umbrella, but like 
there's a lot of people who were excited about the Mac Pro and bought a Mac Pro. And now, I mean, a lot of my friends are like selling their Mac Pro, getting pretty good money for it and buying an iMac. It's, it's kind of strange. It's, you know what it was? I think maybe it was on Relay, but they were saying like overtly, like it's, it's strange that today, almost everything in the Apple space, maybe it was Gruber said this. You, yeah, it was Gruber. You know, like if you want the nicest iPad or the, or the nicest iPhone or the whatever, like it's pretty clear which one to get, depending on what size you like and how much, what your budget is and how much you know, space you want on it. You can just say, okay, I want the iPhone 6S Plus or I want the iPad Air 2 or I want the iPad Maxi or whatever. <laughs> right. That's, that's pretty good. That's the name. Uh, you know, you know that that's what you get. Like, I don't, I have to agree with Gruber. I don't think it's clear what that thing is today for a desktop Mac. Or, or maybe even, I mean, I guess a MacBook Pro is still the clear choice if you want power in a laptop. But I mean, it feels like you can just do a lot more easily with an iMac. Well, I mean, it used to be a pretty obvious decision on the app. Once, once we had the iMac and the iMac was accepted into the Mac family, you know, you had the idea of like, here's this thing with a built-in built screen that sits up on top of your desk. And then for the power user or the person who wants lots of storage space or needs a lot of really, really high-end CPU stuff, um, you know, you have, a, you have a Mac Pro that sits under your desk and you can chuck a whole bunch of hard drives in it and you can pull the thing open and put tons of RAM in it and max this thing out. You want video cards, you want capture cards, you want high-end graphics, you want to play video games. All of this stuff was possible with the Mac Pro. So the decision was pretty clear. Like the iMac was for people who liked stuff above the desk, <laughs> you know, and the Mac Pro was well, and to like, have, had to have the, to have the all in one where you didn't need to have the ability to add two hard drives today. Right. Right. And, yeah. And then, and then the line started to get blurred because, you know, for obvious reasons, CPU performance increasing graphics getting smaller and built in that the iMac just started eating the lunch of the, the desktop machines. And then you sort of have the Mac mini kind of floating out there. Like nobody's really sure. Like I, I remember there were a couple of people recently that I was talking to and they were asking about the setup that I have here and like Skype different machines set up for Skype. And they're like, where are the machines? I'm like, well, they're right here and they, you know, racked up. And they're like, well, where are they though? I'm like, they're in, they're in the rack. They're right there. They're like, well, where because, the, because they're Mac minis. Yeah. They're like, well, where are the screens? I'm like, well, no, there's no, there is no screen. They're just, what do you do? We just use VPN for that? Uh, well, actually, I have them running into a KVM switch. Oh, okay. So a KVM switch makes it easy to for people who don't know what that is. It, it lets you share one keyboard, mouse, and screen. Keyboard, video manager? Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. And you, you either have buttons on the front of it or a keyboard combo, so like Control-Control-1 or Control-Control-2, and it switches virtually to the different ones. Although VPN works just fine. It's not VPN, sorry. It's... Uh, VNC or screen sharing on the Mac side can do that without that. And they sell these really cool little adapters that are HDMI adapters. I found out from uh, the Mac mini Colo guys, they're these little adapters that fit into the HDMI port, but they nothing. They're just like a little stump that sits out, but it gives it the idea that it is connected to a high end video adapter that you can then set uh, you can then set the video resolution to so that when you do VNC or screen share to it, it's like instantaneous responsiveness because it's not trying to figure out why there oh, isn't the screen connected. And mm-hmm. so there's lots of solutions for this particular situation, but they had never seen a Mac mini before. Like they'd heard of it, but they'd never really seen one in use. And they're like, why, why would you get something without a screen attached? Why wouldn't you just get right. an iMac? And 
you know, that decision, it's a much, much tougher decision to make, I think, but Apple made it a lot easier by pricing the Mac Pro. It's such a high-end device now. It's such an expensive computer. I have one, and it is such an expensive. It's a wonderful machine, but it is but you so can, You expensive. can get, like, so much for half that price with an iMac. And, and a beautiful, you know, 4K or potential 5K screen with it, right, too. Right, so right, it, right. I don't, you know... And now, especially with, with the iPad Air 2 that we've been raving about, and I think the iPad Pro to some degree, we'll have to see what happens there. Like, the argument for, you know, people keep talking about how powerful laptops are and what you can do with a laptop, and I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon. But, yeah, I think that laptops are moving into the space that we've seen the Mac Pro move into in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And if I can kind of unpack that for as much as, as, as powerful as laptops are becoming and as much as they can do everything that an iMac or a desktop machine can do, I think iPads are going to become more and more popular as the device that I use when I'm not sort of chained or bolted to a desk. And I always imagine uh, Adam sitting at his command console with you know 50 screens and the special final cut pro keyboards you know with the weird funky keys on them and you know watching doing massive like video editing on something or the computer software computer programmer the developer you know who's sitting there with multiple screens and they're running a local instance of redis and they've got you know x y and z to you know build so that they have a local staging environment and all that stuff people like that they're never going to be satisfied with an iPad as a primary device because it won't do most of what they need it to do for their development or for their editing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly not saying that, that I would feel comfortable editing a podcast on an iPad. So I'm definitely fitting into that. I need a desktop computer, but I feel like everything is moving toward that. I have this gorgeous big screen iMac type device. That's what I do on the desktop and everywhere else I have some kind of mobile iOS device. And I think that's the future for Apple uh, I think laptops will be around as long as people need that mobile setup to do that high-end work, but that will become the role of the laptop. You know, my mm-hmm. wife has been using an iPad as her main computing device. We still have an iMac at home, but that's her main computing device. And when I'm at home, my main computing device is, is absolutely the iPad now. And in fact, that's my main computing device when I'm not writing code um, or podcasting. And that's saying a lot. Yeah. Yeah, one, hmm. yeah. I'm just thinking about what you said uh, because I think one thing that makes it uh, difficult to know, like uh, like we've talked before about how when something new comes along, whether that's you know uh, the MacBook One or the uh, you know iMac coming out without a floppy drive, you know, there's a natural reaction to say, well, you know, to kind of look to the past and say, this won't work for me because this is how I work, right? And you know that which is true, except. Uh, it might be in some ways more advisable to say, well, I don't know if this will work for me because this is how I have worked. The, the other thing that, the thing that changes in all of this is that, you know, the, like when the iPhone came out, I mean, obviously it was, it's pretty amazing. Like what it was, what it was capable of doing ditto for the iPad. But yeah, I think it also helps to look at, it's hard to know chicken and egg, right? I mean, like what did mobile devices make possible versus what, capabilities 
did it bring to do stuff we already needed to do? So for example, I, you know, everybody, I know I, one example for me is, as you say, editing a podcast. Well, what is it that would make editing a podcast so difficult on an iPad? Well, obviously, if you're, you've got half a brain, there's a million things. Like, how would you record um, multiple streams, you know, uh, to disk from, you know, a wireless connection? Um, I mean, just, just, just getting the recording going. Yeah. Like, w- would you want to trust that thing? Um, you know, you, it would be difficult to do things like go and look at show notes. Is that going to run in the background now? I mean, there's all kinds of things where, like, right. it sounds farcical to even, you know, um, guess how that would work because you're so used to having that super high powered desktop experience. Right. Well, I mean, like, for example, I was reading the sample and last night in bed. I was reading the sample of uh, The Martian and I bought, went ahead and bought the book and I didn't have to get out of bed. I didn't have to take out my credit card. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to go to the bookstore. Uh, no, now, you know, again, another, that's so obvious. Obviously, you can do that now. iBooks has been around forever. Well, there wasn't a time when that was, that was so obvious. It's just that, yeah, it's still that same, maybe I'll be a more powerful iPad, but so many other things have happened. Um, in the interim that make that possible. So when we say like, is it, what can you do with recording and editing podcasts on an iPad? That, that would be a stunt, like a magic trick yeah. to try and do today. Well, I did an interview with a guy last week where he uses this. I, I've never seen this before. I'm sure you've seen, I forget what it's called, but it's this thing where you go and when the call's about to start, you log into a web page. Have you seen this? And you like leave the web page open and it records your side. Yes, I have seen that. Okay, now I'm not saying that that's the answer, I'm, but I'm saying but that's no, one I mean, very... It, it exists and you can do it. And like, that's a step in the direction that we want to go. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I, I am the world's worst futurist, but it's interesting <laughs> to imagine. Let, let's take each of the pieces about what makes the iPad thing difficult. Well, the most obvious one is like being able to confidently know that everybody's recordings will be recorded Right. At high quality yep. in a way that, you know, or then you get into that whole problem of the different clock speeds on the computers and what a pain it is to line up six tracks and right. all that kind of stuff. Yep. Well, what if there were hypothetically a service that replaced something like Skype that came along or a, even a standard for doing something like that? Who knows? In five years, that could be a thing as more people do remote, you know, meetings and remote podcasting and stuff like that. Well, suddenly that recording piece doesn't seem that complicated that, you know, as long as your side is getting recorded, I'm just tossing this out. Mm-hmm. Then add to that, what's the next step? Editing. Whoa, what a pain. But like uh, just starting with what you can do with a keyboard now on an iPad, like pretty great stuff. But who knows? Maybe part of what that service would be is something that makes it very easy for you to align the tracks, put in the basic markers, and have a lot of that automation happening partly on the iPad, but also maybe somewhat offline. Right. I don't know. I just, I'm not saying that's going to happen next week, but. I've realized for myself that a lot of the stuff where I like roll my eyes or go, ah, fa, that'll never work. <laughs> yeah. It's because I'm thinking, I'm not even thinking in terms of how I work now. I'm thinking about how I've worked for five years and a, a lot happens fast. And once capable devices are out there, you know, who knows what, 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 what will happen with it. Oh, so I've just well been said. wrong. I've been wrong a lot more than I've been right about what I will be capable of doing on one of these machines. Oh, what a great way to say it too. I totally, totally agree with you is that... And I don't know if it comes from a feeling of think of past experiences or if it's just a general sort of cynicism. But any time that I've said, oh, I won't I won't be able to do that on X device or it'll take forever for that device to come around or for its usefulness to be. I'm always wrong. You I know, know. I know. it's I know. like every time. And so just to give you an example of the kinds of things that you can do on one of these devices that don't that can't really do anything. Last night, right? So I uh, 
happy to say if I cut my cable and I turned in all the equipment and I have a funny story to tell you about that if you're interested, but turned all that in. So last night, of course, uh, the Monday night football game with uh, my Eagles who, uh, who did very well playing uh, against the Giants during the halftime thing is when the new Star Wars trailer was going, was set to premiere. And this was airing on ESPN, which as most people would know, if you don't get cable, you can't watch ESPN. And I had thought they were going to be putting it on ABC or something, but it didn't happen. Maybe the trailer was on ABC. Anyway, you had to be watching the football game on ESPN to watch the trailer, which took seconds to post to YouTube. So if you wanted to watch it live, you had to be watching the ESPN. So for some reason, they haven't, Tom Warner Cable, who I know listens to this show, hasn't yet disabled my ability to watch Time Warner Cable stuff, or like at least use the ESPN iOS app to uh, to sign in and watch it. So I was watching it on my iPad in the ESPN app. That by itself is pretty cool. I'm watching live NFL football in the ESPN app on an iPad. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So then I watched the trailer, which was really neat, and then switched over to Safari, went to the local movie theater, got some tickets you know, went back to the, and of course I could have done that in the Fandango app too. Went back to reading email and like all of these little things just happen in some cases side by side with the split screen, all of this happening on an iPad and it was effortless. It was effortless. I wasn't concerned about uh, CPU performance. I wasn't concerned about flash ads. I wasn't concerned about um, anything. It just, it all just worked and the experience was seamless and that's the kind of thing that if you had told me that I could be watching a football game and then seamlessly and easily split the screen and start doing buying tickets and you know what I mean? Like that just mm-hmm. it's it's basic as of course you can do that. Of course you can do that on a computer. Of course this stuff was was easy. And then my watch told me that I got the email confirmation and I could print it and I printed it right from the iPad wirelessly to the, you know, piece of crap Epson printer sitting in the other room that I bought so that I could do air printing, you know, yeah, like yeah. all of this stuff just worked. And like, I remember the novelty of the first time you like, wait, you can print from your iOS device. Oh my gosh. But of course all of this is just easy. It just works now. That's the kind of future that I really like. And I like doing it without having to, you know, I was relaxed in the room where the TV is. I didn't have to get up and go sit in front of a computer. I didn't have to get a laptop and worry about it being charged backlit keys are a non-issue. All of this stuff just goes away. All stuff that used to be uh, one of those yeah buts about why you wouldn't be able to do it. Or wouldn't want to do it because it would be too slow or too cumbersome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the, the example I keep bringing up because I, I, feel, I feel this difference, you know, 10 times a day is I still read a lot of stuff in Instapaper. Or let's put, let's put it this way. I still add a lot of stuff to Instapaper. I don't read it all. But um, now since iOS 8, with Instapaper being its own independent extension, that is my leftmost icon when I bring up extensions. Like whenever I open something up and Instapaper is not the leftmost icon, I often make it the leftmost icon because it's the one I use the most. Um, and so now what's funny is like whether I'm in, you know, a Twitter app or whether I'm in mobile Safari or like no matter where I am now, um, I'm basically two clicks away from adding something to Instapaper. Right. I bring up, I bring up a little arrow dingus. I hit Instapaper and I'm done. Done. That's that's actually 
faster and less hacky than it is on the computer. Oh I my mean, I gosh! Can, yes, totally. I, I, I can. You can do that now. I'm not. I still use Chrome. I, I don't know Safari. I'll, I'll probably go to Safari eventually. But you know, I, I still have a bookmarklet in Chrome that I use for that, and it's it's fast and stuff. But you can't say that same thing for all of the things that extensions do on iOS. That's actually because so you start with that constraint of like, what can you do? Uh, what can you do with a touch interface on this handheld device? Well, there sure are a lot of limitations. Well, we got buttons. Well, let's make buttons for all this stuff. And so now the funny part is there are, there are a number of things that actually do feel faster to do on um, iOS than on OS X. It's not a slam on OS X. There's, it's a very capable operating system. Right. But, but that, that's, that's one example of like, well, once you've thrown away that paradigm of like, it, this needs to work like a laptop, you actually find ways to make it faster and more efficient and to, as you say, um, remove friction. You know what I mean? So, you know, combine that with stuff like the ability to arrow back to what app that you were just in. Mm-hmm. And that's actually kind of faster and easier than, than uh, well, I mean, right now it's a little janky the way it's implemented right now. I think they'll improve on that. The way that it hides your status bar at the top is kind of weird. But, uh, but I mean, I, I'm finding that, again, two or three weeks in, this will be, I guess, our, we're in, into a month of this topic now. But I, I'm still, and I actually, I still have stuff today I want to talk about with this. I'm still shocked. Um, by how capable this is once I abandon the idea that I use this like a device from 2007. That's the only thing that holds me back. And, uh, and I, I agree. I mean, I'm very interested to see what happens next. That's the whole thing is that, is that I have no idea what's going to happen next. And like we were just saying a minute ago, is that like if I try to guess, and I would try to guess like what my computer, what what is going to be my primary device and and what devices I'm going to rely upon the most or have the most fun using in five years from now, I, I really don't know. I think the trend that I'm on, though, is the one that I'm going to stick with. And I absolutely love having this one device that I can do all of this these different things with. I I should try as an experiment, but the last time I did it, it was a, a, a nightmare, nothing short of a nightmare to try and watch like live TV or uh, or even just doing something like, you know, doing something like Netflix, that kind of thing, going to, on, on just on just a Mac, doing it on a Mac. It's it, these apps. That oh, give a, I know. You know With what I sil- mean? Silverlight and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, w- I remember I was, I think I had the flu like a year or two ago and I had this computer in, you know, in the bed and I'm sitting there like watching it and it's propped up and it's awkward and it's not easy to do. And I'm, I just vividly remember like installing, trying to install silver light while I'm half, you know, in and out of a fever and, you know, and like, of course I could have had all that done anyway, but again, like the immediacy of iOS is, is something I feel like is super powerful and that people are underestimating. I was talking to a friend of mine about, you know, there's now this, uh, renewed interest not just between you and i but in in the community at large i think of using the ipad for things like this and of talking about you know having this discussion about what kinds of text editors are really good and what kind of tools and things like that and it turns out that like whenever i want to do something in ios there will be a specialized app that does it really really well and the the tough part isn't going to be i can't find anything that does this that's not the hard part. The hard part is I found three things that do it. They mm-hmm. all do it really well. And how am I supposed to pick between these different things? And if you told me today that mm-hmm. I could record and edit podcasts on an iOS device, on an iPad, 
as effectively as I can on a computer, that that my computers would be scared. They would feel yeah, very I, afraid. They, they, they would they would feel ashamed. Yes. No, I, I I agree with you, and I, I'm just now I'm just sitting here thinking like uh, the case I was about to try and make is uh, I think about something like what what's an example Plex. Yes. iBooks. Yes. I'm trying to think of various things. For, there's all kinds of things where like I, I'm creating a reminder is another example. And the case that I was about to make is that there's a cascade that varies greatly. If you think about that cascade of, do I want to do this on a desktop computer? Let's put it this way. Do I want to, whatever it is I need to do, would I prefer to do this on a desktop Mac? Would I prefer to do this on a handheld device? Or would I prefer to do this on something like, in my case, my Amazon Fire TV? Right. And then, but then I started, and, I, and like, I think that's, you could make a case for that. Like, for example, like Plex on the uh, Amazon Fire TV is great because it's a TV and it's really good for that. It's not a bad experience on iOS. Uh, you get a more powerful experience on the desktop and you get the big screen. But like, for example, reminders. And this is where I, I realize this gets more complicated than talking about three kinds of devices. What about creating a reminder? Well, you can't do that on the Apple TV. Except that you kind of can. Hmm. With Alexa, I can add stuff. I have Alexa, uh, the Amazon Echo set up with uh, if this, then that to add things to lists, uh, you know, by if this and that. So in other words, I could say, you know, hey, Amazon machine, add milk to my shopping list. That adds that to the Alexa list. If this, then that picks that up and then adds that to the correct list and reminders. So anyway, but setting that one aside for a minute, then I realized like, okay, well, you know about the last place I want to create a reminder is on the desktop. It's actually the clunkiest way to create a reminder. Second place, I think, might be on an iOS device by typing. But my first far and away, my number one way I would want to create a reminder today, Siri. It's, yep. it's brain dead. It's like what Siri's made for. It's the drop dead simplest way. If you're creating a meeting, well, you know, there may be stuff you want to add. You don't want to get that wrong. You don't want to invite the wrong person and stuff like that. But like I'm realizing what you're describing here, which is that cascade is there's, it's down to so much more than do I want to do it the high tech drive a truck way or do I want to do it the low tech pull a wagon way? And there's actually a lot of places in between. And if anything, I think people, once they realize the number of options might feel kind of overwhelmed because, you know, you could choose to do it a, a million places. And it just depends on what works best for how you like to work or what's closest at hand at that right, point. Right. And that and and I like that closest at hand phrase because to me, closest at hand is I think the key to Apple's whole thing. If you look at where they're going with uh with with trying to get system on a chip smaller and smaller and having those things include radios. You know, what we're really talking about is we're talking about a watch now that essentially does all the same stuff from the system at the system level that an iPhone can do, that it it could have a cell service of one kind or another, uh, that that what's the closest thing to you? That's the device that Mm -hmm. you can communicate with. What's Apple's big brain? Siri. You can communicate with Siri with whatever device happens to be closest to you. And yeah, I don't think people are going to be reading books on their watch, right? But Right. Maybe they would on their six plus or six S plus, and they certainly would on an iPad. And they, you know, doing doing the things that you need to do in your life and building devices that at least one of them is always with you, and you have access to Apple's big brain Siri through that device. That's the future. That's the future that we're talking about. And Apple will make that possible in a way that I don't think a lot of other companies can. And their edge, Apple's huge edge, they have two of them. 
One is, I think, their overall design, and that includes hardware and software, and that they're making the things that everybody else wishes they were making in copies, one. And two, I think they uh, they really have an edge in the sense of uh, trustworthiness and the way that they're not exploiting the data that they could be exploiting. There was a great talk that uh, Tim Cook gave yesterday uh, where he was talking about the fact that Apple's actually behind other companies when it comes to the kind of data that they have and the way that they use it because they put that privacy first. They put mm-hmm. that, and we talked about it last week, about how limited intentionally and built in how limited Apple is in the kind of data that they collect and store and know about us. And that holds them back on a lot of things that they would otherwise be able to do that Google can do. Mm-hmm. And they're aware of that fact and they've said that's all right. But... I think in the long run, those are going to be the two uh, edges that that Apple has. There was a great, oh man, I wish I had saved or instapapered or added it to the show notes. There was a great link showing uh, the market for cell phones in China. Did you see that short, little short video? No. Oh, it's so cool. In in China, there are pretty much every single kind of application or use for a cell phone that you could possibly imagine that are completely different than what we think of here. They've got obviously really weird shapes and they're shaped like a car or they're shaped like a basketball. That's the one thing that they can do, but they were showing how they've got phones that have three or four SIM cards in them because there's no restriction on it. And all of these things are like custom made. They're small, small batches, homebrewed things that people can just make because there's no restriction on that and they don't care about copyright infringement or anything. So like they have Apple watches that look and work exactly like an Apple watch, but they're not, they're just copies, but the every it's unlimited what you can find and get over there that works perfectly well as a phone or a small device. It's, it's, it bothers so it's, the a, mind. it's a less, it's a less precious thing where like here right. I'm thinking about this is, do I want to spend the money on this thing that I'll have for two years? Right. And there, it's, it's not so much like that. Not at all. It's like a little junk thing that you can just pick up and you can get. And uh, and it just does it does this thing. And maybe all it does is make phone calls, but it's all right because it's like cheap. And you just – SIM cards are just – there's no restrictions in that way. And it's weird what having a complete lack of concern about patents and copyrights, the kind of uh, – or, or just about the business. Like as you're describing that, I'm also just thinking about like – you know, I one so at least for myself, I so rarely guess that the hurdle or the speed bump in a technological landscape is going to be business. You know, because right. we always figure like, oh, if it's possible to make this thing, then it'll be possible to make it great. It'll be possible to make it small. It'll eventually be possible to make it cheap. But if you think about all the things where like you're like, oh yeah, and you're like screaming out of the gate with this amazing thing, and then you run into this thing, and you go, oh, okay, business thing, like. For, and there's so many of those just even right now. Like the fact that you currently can't watch Amazon Prime on an Apple TV. <laughs> right. That I don't think, like I, I, I deleted the YouTube app off of all of my OS, iOS devices a long time ago because I'd rather just watch it in a web browser. But like people are saying, is this correct that the YouTube app doesn't do the floating video yet on an iPad? I think that is correct. Which is like, what is the one thing you would want to right. have do that? Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, so it, it's it's still bewildering to me if I'm watching a video and I always think if I hit the home button, it'll go away. I did that like maybe last week and boop, the video I was watching just popped up in a window, like right on the iPad. And I was like, ah, black magic, what is this? <laughs> but that that's the other funny thing. Like, you know, and I'm not trying to make a case here against copyright or anything like that, but in an environment where it's just these kind of dumb devices that just do stuff, it really does change the landscape. Also, I mean, 
let's let's really throw this pie in the sky. Like there are eventually APIs or standards of various kinds arise. So, you know, a classic example is thank God pretty much all the rail railroads in America have tracks this width that can handle this much load this often with this much maintenance. I mean, I'm sure that differs, but there's basically standards. Otherwise, trains could only go on the track that these people own. Um, or the roads. Roads are big enough to accommodate a truck and a motorcycle. We wouldn't want to have just a motorcycle highway that we make just because that's sponsored by Microsoft. Like, right. why would we want to do that? Well, we don't. We have these big things. And I realize it's more complex than I'm making it sound, but over time, those standards and uh, I guess today, these APIs do emerge. I mean, at some point, doesn't it seem like at some point, well, look at it this way. At some point, what we call the cable industry arrived at using coaxial cable to get stuff into your house. Right. Yes. Or at some point, you know, what I guess this is like maybe back to Edison versus Tesla. There were arguments about the various kind of protocols for electricity and who's going to win that and what kind of, I mean, what kind of plugs are you going to have in your house? Eventually, all that stuff gets settled. You can run any kind of device you want on a, on a 110 outlet as long as it's, you know, been wired safely and is a, you know, but I mean like, you know, 99 point how many nines of stuff that we use just works in a house. You plug it anywhere. You don't think twice about like checking to make sure that the amperage of this thing is right. You know, it's right. (laughs) It's just right. So yeah, but I mean, all of those things are, end up being not dissimilar from a standard or an API. Doesn't it have to seem like at, at some point, someday there will be a standard for something, I don't want to say a standard, but like, I mean, it's so crazy to open up my Apple TV and there's a new lozenge there for like an anime streaming service. And I'm like, what? What is this on? Uh, okay. Right. All right. Now I, now I'm getting like sushi roll or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, okay, I'll just hide that one. Or there's this one, or there's ESPN and ESPN nine, you know, and I, and there's just all these little lozenges and all these little fiefdoms and all these the interfaces are weird. HBO now, like we're paying like 15, 20 bucks a month for right. this thing. And the interface is garbage. Oh, it's the worst. It's, it's so gross and dumb to use. Like, go try and find, like, John Oliver. Like, where's John Oliver? Why is John Oliver not... I think they must hate him. Like, he always is difficult (laughs) to find on HBO now, like, even if it just aired. (laughs) I know. But, like, all those things are different. Like, I mean, is it is it is it crazy and socialist of me? Am I all getting all Bernie Sanders to think at some point there should be something... I'm not going to say, like, RSS, but something, some kind of something like an API that says, well, there's only so many things that can happen with video... Like there are, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff more complicated than streaming video if you think about it. I mean, think about like the financial system. I probably not, not a great example, but like, you know, shouldn't there eventually be a point where there's like some kind of a protocol for how this stuff gets streamed and then you just pay to get whatever it is you have on there? Well, that seems like beyond pie in the sky because of the fiefdoms, because of subscriptions, because if ESPN is like the single thing that's keeping cable TV alive at this point, supposedly. It is, yeah. Like people's desire to have ESPN is what makes them buy all that other shovelware that they never watch. So I don't know. It's just, I, I, and I don't mean this as a polemic against business, but it is interesting that like once somebody's put the money in, like somebody like Apple puts the money into this hardware, um, or, you know, for that matter, Sprint, whoever like puts their money into like fiber or whatever it is. Now they're doing what they can to keep control of the, of the business areas by and large. And that's where you really see the speed bumps. I don't know. I think that's, I'm sorry, that didn't really go anywhere. No, it but, did. Uh, it totally did. But, but that's, that's, that ends up being, you know, kind of the constraint. Um, you know, you want your platform to be the platform. You want your uh, OS to be the OS. But then you also get into the factionalism of like, you know, 
I imagine I would have to imagine Samsung and Samsung people and Android people probably have some pretty pointed meetings about like how stuff should go. It's you know they're not the they're not one group that's working on that. It's business, business, business all the way down. You know, I love the idea though, and that maybe is a kind of a pie in the sky thing. The idea that you know, that the experience would be unified across the board. This was the big selling point for the Mac. If people who are, you know, I, I was reading something, uh, someone tweeted or something like that, saying that one of their coworkers thought that the iMac was the first Mac, and you know that I think for people who are who are coming up now, people who are in their twenties or maybe even. 30s, early 30s now, but certainly people in their 20s, you know, the Macs have always been around. They've Apple has always been a major player, always with air quotes around it, right? But like always in the sense of like Apple's always been one of these companies that's just been out there. But back in the very old days, and we have definitely talked about this, Apple and Mac OS was special because it gave you a consistent experience and a consistent interface across all the applications that came out for it. Whereas on the DOS and Windows side, every application was really different until they kind of got on board with that. But even in Windows... It really all, sticks out. On a Mac, it really sticks out when you're right. doing non-standard stuff. Even even today, yeah. you know, it, it, you go, oh boy, that's, that's not the way that's supposed to work. Look, that's right. weird or work. Yeah, and you notice it. You notice it right away. Right away, if those conventions aren't followed, and I think back in in that early time, that was what made Apple special. Is that I I automatically know how to use this uh, design program or most of how to use it because I know how to use the word processing program. And that's also how I'll know how to quit out of this game that I've never played before or how to launch this other application. Or of course I can drag things between windows or from the desktop to here because this is the environment that Apple has given me. And yeah, it's not like the mouse. It isn't like the mouse will scroll in a different direction right. for no reason, or that the file <laughs> menu will be changed to system stuff. Right, like they, they have names. There's conventions to, to the way all this stuff works that benefits everybody. Absolutely, and so seeing that kind of evolve into the space of video or into the space of TV, and you know, right now, like uh, especially on like the Fire TV or Roku. Like there's this general consensus that like apps should sort of kind of work this way, but it's still the wild, wild west as far as how things are going to work and and if they will work the same way across two different uh, two different apps or channels or whatever you want to call it. I just love the idea that there is a way that that places, production studios, companies, whatever you want to call them, whether they're ESPN or HBO or uh, or the NFL or MLB at bat or whatever they are, that they're just going to provide data. And that data includes streaming. It might include statistics or other things. And that we can then see them in a a way that is consistent. And you know what? Branding should be associated with the quality of the content as opposed to the way that an app looks and the way that an app works. And here's logos here. You know what? I don't need any of that. Just give me really great content. And make it consistent across the board. I don't want to have fun with an app. I just want to get the content. I want to get Mm -hmm. the content out of it and make the app be invisible. The more invisible the app is, the more the the invisible the user experience branding is, the better. Just give me the content and the data that I need and get out of the way. Don't try to make it fun. Don't try and put your flavor on it. Just give me the data. Give me the content and make it easy and clean and simple and get out of the way. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And I mean, you could see that if you go to a Target or a Walmart, certainly people can pay for placement to be in, in better places and stuff like that. But, you know, it, there still is something like there's a sensible experience. You're not going to find Estee Lauder eyeliner in the sporting goods department just because they've decided that's a vertical that they want to get into. That right, would be actually right. kind of a hostile way to try and sell that product. So it's in the makeup section. That makes sense. I mean, like, for example, in the last week, there's a movie, I don't, uh, highly recommended, two highly recommended movies um, by Joshua Oppenheimer. Um, one called, you've got to see a movie called The Act of Killing. Um, it's one of the most disturbing, wonderful, awful, bizarre movies I've ever seen. It's about basically this year in the, the 1960s in Indonesia when the government was overthrown and a lot of quote-unquote communists were killed. And it's basically just about people killing their own people. Wow. All you need to know is it's executive produced by Werner Herzog and Errol Morris. <laughs> okay. and anyway, long story short, so uh, I, I, I love The Act of Killing. It's one of the greatest documentaries I've ever seen. The follow-up is called The Look of Silence. And so I go to, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. I see, oh, it was at the Venice, some, at a, some Venice Film Festival in August 2014. Uh, it was in theaters kind of, sort of around, I guess, this summer. And I really wanted to go get it. So what do I, I'm, I, I want to go pay money and watch this tonight. Like, how do I do that? And I think I might have even idiotically started by going to iTunes because I'm a sucker. And like, I'll just go start there. I, a lot of times iTunes will kind of quietly get stuff that isn't somewhere else yet, especially things like documentaries. And uh, no, it wasn't there. So now what do I do? I go to Can I Stream It? And I, got, I go to Can I Stream It? And it's like, well, no, it's, there's not, it's not really out on the video. So now I got to go to the Blu-ray site, like find out when is it going to be released? Put that on my calendar. It's like, so I understand like there, like every movie studio has its own way of doing things and it's going to come out at a certain time, but it still drives me bananas that, and I, I know I'm getting into a totally different topic now, but it, I'll tell you what, you know what? You, it drives me bananas that the John Oliver show isn't up. It, it used to air East Coast time uh, on Sunday nights. It used to be that HBO, I think now they're doing it later. It just shows up in the middle of the night or something. That drives me bananas. There's all kinds of stuff from I'm like, I'm like fry throwing my money at the screen. Like, can somebody please find a way to take this money? I'm not talking about a lot of money, but like I would pay 10 bucks to buy a copy of this movie if it's out there. Do I, I mean, the fact that a site like Can I Stream It exists tells you everything you need to know. I mean, first of all, thank God. I'm so glad that it exists. But like the fact that you have to have a site like Can I Stream It to hack together the 140 different places you may or may not be able to rent slash buy slash order this is, is, is so strange to me. Yeah. Why? Business, business, business. Because yep. there's no reason for anybody to make that easy to say, you know, okay, here it is and here's the cheapest place to get it and here's how to get it fastest. So like when people wonder why, why people are searching on the back of a truck for something, it's like, well, <laughs> searching on the back of a truck is actually a lot faster. There's just no way to throw money at that. And I don't know. I think that's, uh, I think that's something. And, you know, and, and iTunes is pretty good at that. I will do stuff like I wish list stuff a lot of the time just for my own purposes to remember, you know, like that I want to watch this. And certainly iTunes is very good about shoving stuff that's in theaters now in your face and telling oh, yeah. you to pre-order it. Right. Uh, I don't know. We should probably move on. Do you want to tell me about something you like? I would like to tell you about Linda. This episode is brought to you by Linda.com. That's spelled L-Y-N-D-A. The online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses that will help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. They're offering you guys, the listeners of this program, a free 10-day trial, and they've made a special URL. Going to the URL supports the show. It also introduces you to some really, really great content. Speaking of great content, right? Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, lynda.com slash back to work, all spelled out. We'll get you the free 10-day trial, and they have really, really great videos there made by top experts who are passionate about teaching 
streaming thousands and thousands of video courses. They've got over 3,000 video courses. They're all on demand. You can... There are all these little built-in things that I think are really cool. Like you can take notes as you watch and refer to them later. You can browse each course transcript, follow along that way. It's so much fun to do that. You're learning at your own pace. We always talk about like on-demand viewing and DVRing stuff and watching or listening when you want. They've got this all down. You can take stuff with you on your iOS device, even your Android device, and you can make playlists the way that Merlin makes his wish list. So you have a playlist of different things that you want to go back to later, or, you know what, I'm going to watch this, this video first, and then I'm going to watch this segment of this video, but they're all designed to be consumed in bite-sized pieces as well. So if there's just that one thing like, Oh, I wish I just knew how to do this. You can go and find it and jump in and jump out in five, 10 minutes, learn the skill and, uh, and it'll get out of your way. So go check it out. Lynda.com slash back to work, sign up for your free 10 day trial and thanks very much to Linda for supporting uh, Merlin Mann and Back to Work. Thank you. Fuck, fuck. Fuck, fuck. I'm going to say it again. The Act of Killing, the 2012. Act of killing. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, uh, it's a staggering, staggering documentary. Two, zero, one, two. So, Have you watched a Kurt Cobain uh, documentary where they propose or purport that, uh, uh, that he was uh, murdered? Oh, no. I don't watch things like that. It's interesting. Yeah. So this guy goes to Indonesia. I don't know how he made this happen. Basically goes to this, the guy who was kind of the head of the gangs that did this killing. There's a lot of people, a lot of killing. But basically went in and said like, you know, I want you to tell your story of how these killings happen. And he encourages them to act out the killings in the movie style of their choice. So he actually, inside the movie is another, are other movies that they make. There's like a gangster movie of all these Indonesian gangsters in their seventies dressed up like they're in a, in a, like a Al Capone kind of movie and reenacting the murder of all of these innocent people. And it sounds, it's, it's strange and staggering and disturbing. And it's one of those things where you watch it and it's, it's almost like, well, it's surreal in some ways in the true sense of the word of, well, like, how did anybody ever get this thing made? And uh, it, it will be very unforgettable. Not light viewing by any stretch, but both movies are uh, are really, really amazing. Wow. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I, um, you wanted to talk about cutting your cable. Oh, yeah. And I had a couple of quick things. First of all, I'm going to put a call out. Right. Uh, you know what? If I do this, people are going to tweet at me. And no, send do me a call. Put it out. Put it out. You know what? I was asking about this uh, in a couple of places. I have not found including in K-Base documents, I have not found a current, complete, and canonical list of all of the commands for Siri. Yes, I have seen blog posts about this. I know how to do Google. What I have <laughs> not seen is a single place that isn't just that, that very clever uh, Apple.com page that scrolls and gives you things. I want a list of like the dozens and dozens of things that Siri can do that is current and complete. I know you're going to send me that one from that one blog. I know, I've seen that one. But uh, is, does, does there exist a canonical list of all of those things? Because I have not seen it. And I think that's weird. I would like to see that. Because my, my uh, project for this past weekend was going to be uh, a thought technology where I was going to try and see how far I could get on iOS using just Siri. Just as an experiment. But I, I wasn't ready to do that until I reminded myself of everything it could do. But uh, anyway, if anybody is knowledgeable, especially I would love any app, to see that. Absolutely if anybody, any that. Apple insiders, uh, again, uh, I love you so much. Thank you. You don't need to send me just the first thing on Google. Like I saw that. But like, if there is an actual <laughs> list, and I'm not talking about the one on that blog, and people are going to send me that, that's okay. Um, 
a couple other things. Oh, here's another thing. Um, does your Apple Watch is it working the way it's supposed to on wireless on the same when it's on the same wireless network as the phone? Because I tried all the troubleshooting that Apple recommends to do that, and I've still never gotten it to work. All right, so this is my understanding, and tell me if this is what you're talking about, that if you have connected to a wireless network with your iPhone, Mm -hmm. and that your iPhone is correctly paired with your Apple Watch, and I should say the only way to be paired is correctly paired, that if, and it is a 2.4 gigahertz network, Mm -hmm. that your Apple Watch is supposed to connect to that network even independent of your phone. So you don't need to be in Bluetooth range to do stuff like, you know, all the stuff Messaging that you normally do. or, right. So here's something that happened to me. I, and- I, tried, I tried all of that, and I tried all the debugging, including the whole, like, burn the thing to the ground, where you kill all, you, you like, have it unremember all of your networks, restart, right. repair, all. I tried all of those things, and on, at my office and home, I've still never gotten it to work, as far as I know. I have had it work when I have, and only in this one scenario, and it, I don't know why it worked, and I don't know why it does work, but I can tell you, here at the office, we've got an Asus uh, router, which was one of the highly rated ones, and I think the Amazon and Wirecutter all liked it, and so that was the one I got when we got set up here. Works great here. Apple Watch thing does not work the way that it's supposed to here. At home, where I have an airport extreme base station, it does work. And I found this out because I went, I had my, I remember vividly, I had my iPhone upstairs uh, on the night table and I went for a walk in the morning with my son. And when we came back and I'm well outside of Bluetooth range at this point, I was downstairs in the garage on Wi-Fi, but nowhere near Bluetooth range. The phone, I mean, the watch received several text messages as the minute that I came within Wi-Fi range. Oh, that's so cool. So the the watch went ding, 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 and I had a couple different text messages. One was from my wife saying, you know, we're, we're here or whatever. And I said, oh, why am I getting these? Because I know I'm not in Bluetooth range. And that's what caused me to read about. I didn't even realize that the watch had Wi-Fi capabilities at all. But I don't know what I've done correctly in my house I know, to make I it know. work that doesn't work here in the office, it's uh, ponderous, man. And, uh, ponderous is the only word for it. Like, and I'll eventually figure it out. But how's this for an anecdote? So, what you're describing—that's like you're like—it's one of those great, like, little almost like an Easter egg. You're like, "Wow, yeah. this is black magic." Um, Mike Hurley was saying that his girlfriend, who I guess, works at a place—you know, the kind of place where you've got a, a, a wireless network. That's what's the word I'm looking for? But you've got a name for the wireless network, but it works like across the campus. Ah, uh, right, right, right. She like went out. To like the cafeteria, like across the street, <laughs> right? Like this is this is in England. This works. Like she's she's at like the cafeteria across the street, and she's able to do stuff on her watch without her phone being there. And I'm <laughs> I doubt that's an Apple network. <laughs> that worked okay, like that. But you hear a story like that, you're like, oh my god, that's 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 magic. Can you imagine like being able to walk anywhere at your like right. college or your business and have that work? That's so bananas that that works. I'll, I'll eventually figure it out. If anybody's got a really good uh, troubleshooting guide that worked for them, I'll, I'll, I'll try it again. It's not critical, but it's one of those things where you're like, but you know. But it should do it. It's supposed to do it. Yeah, but who knows whose fault that is? Like in my case, I've got a, do, 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 do. 
time capsule at home and I've got an airport express extending it. Oh, I had a crazy thing happen. <laughs> I, I had the craziest thing happen. <laughs> what? So I got a wireless network, right? That was set up using the airport thing years ago when I, when I well, whatever, two, three years ago, whenever I up, upgraded to the time capsule at home. And I set up a network called Name of Network that was the two point whatever, the two gigahertz. Okay. And, and then I also said, okay, and then for the five, I thought you're supposed to give the five a different name, right? So there's no confusion. I thought so too. This is, seems to not always be the case, but so uh, just to make sure so that I'm I named following. it Name of Network five, at okay. some point in the last week, they mated. And now I only have one network and it works fine and I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's an airport update that installed. But some kind of magic happened without me ever changing anything, I think. Mm. It's super weird. Now, is that still the current thinking that if you have two, that you want to have name of network and then name of network five or name of network fast or name of network? Is that, a, is that AC? Is that what that's called? What yeah. is that one? Oh, yeah, right. This The fast. G, no, what is it called? What's the G five one? And I don't know. Okay. Five ahead. gigahertz versus 2.4. And I think that that's the right way to do it. But, it, and I guess behind the scenes, so like if you've got an old printer, your old Wi-Fi printer, that's only going to be able to do 2.4. So you put it on the 2.4 one. But I'm assuming that you, all of your devices that are on 5, they can still see this, the 2.4 stuff? Uh, Is that right? If you, so like if you're on an, uh, like an old device, it'll see the names of those networks, but it can only connect to the 2.4. I guess I'm wondering, like I should I should run that that cool wireless app and see what devices in my house. Like, I don't know, will my, will my Sonos work with the five? Like, I tend to default to just say, go pick the two mm-hmm. just because I don't you know, want to have to monkey with it. But I haven't done a, like a little self-audit to see what really could work with the five. Yeah. But anyway, I, that, so I guess what I'm saying is I got myself off topic. But I've got the time capsule and then that is extended via an old Airport Express that's a little dodgy but mostly works, uh, which is a two-point whatever. So I don't know. I, I, I've tried to really isolate it by doing it here at the office with just turning everything all the way up. You know what? This is boring. I'll, I will try it. I will, I'll, if anybody's got a, a good guide for fixing that that helped them, though, could you uh, toot that at us? Because that would be neat if that were very like, neat. reliable. And my only other thing uh, I wanted to mention, I, I, I know we tried to wrap this up last week, but I, I feel like there's one more thing I really... I had been aware of on iOS 9 and the 6S, but I've really started using and I want to highlight. May I? Yeah, of course. The, um, I don't know what the name of it is. The the ability to edit text, to basically turn the keyboard into a touchpad on your 6S. So have you spent time with this? The time that I have used this is when you do a hard a hard press on the keyboard area it becomes a trackpad of sorts that allows you to fly your cursor around. The cursor, in an interesting and almost humorous way, is not limited necessarily to the text area that you're typing in, and it kind of flies all over the screen. Yeah. But the behavior of this is inconsistent to the point where I frequently find that I can't activate that. Right. And like when you saw Craig do it, you're like, what did you just do? <laughs> right. Like, how did you do that so well? I'm going to, do you have your phone nearby? And I'll, I'll, I'll right give you a quick tutorial. Right here. Yep. Okay. Open up something like notes. Got it. Some note that's got stuff in it. I'm in there. This is, this is pretty easy. Well, first of all, I would, I, like many of my friends, I would suggest going into accessibility and changing the 3D touch sensitivity all the way to light. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You, you, I'm sorry. You've mentioned that before, no, but it's that a helps ma- a lot. Mandatory. Don't talk to me unless you've done that. 
Come back. Come back mm-hmm. another time. So here, before you do this, I'll just tell you, here's, here's basically what it is. You do that hard press on the keyboard to make it happen. You fly around with the, with the uh, cursor to get where you want without changing it. So, and then when you where you where you want to be, then sort of gently retouch, and that will let you select. Right. It isn't. You don't really press harder. You just kind of press a second time, and that should be easier to get consistent with. Okay. So basically, think about this. Think about like in my case, I'm looking at some show notes here. I press the keyboard to make it happen. It goes click. Pull it till it goes click. <laughs> And then you go where you want. Why and then did just, I know you were going to say that? <laughs> and then just, but, but like, it, it, I just, I knew you were going to say that. How did you know? I don't know. Maybe because. Dude. <laughs> um, does that, does that help at all? Kind of. The, the, well, and there's, there's some weird little pseudo buggy things, but like what, just try, just keep, keep thinking like, cause I think what the original advice I heard, which is not correct. And I think I've actually shared this incorrect advice is press it and then press it harder. That's not really it. It's more like you, and I put a link in to an iMore article that explains this better than I am here, but you click on the keyboard till it goes click. And then you go where you want to go and you kind of let up and click again. And now you can massively select stuff here. You know where this is great, man. This is great in the Safari location bar. Like oh, I the most frustrating the second most frustrating <gasps> text input area on iOS only second only to uh using Tweetbot when you want to reply to multiple people getting it to deselect. Yeah, take all those off. Don't do that. Yeah. Um tr- yeah, and so uh make yourself use this. If you've got a success in iOS 9 and if you have a success you will be using iOS 9 unless you're in the future. Hello. Um <laughs> tr- make yourself use this. Like I'm an old man, like I'm frequently wanting to go change things, uh, you know, up in the uh location bar. Um and that's a very fast way to do it. Another neat thing I just I just noticed I think last week was something that I never knew I wanted is if you start doing a Google search. So if you search for like D A N space B E N J like your name turns up and like I can I can already like start grabbing that. If I go back and edit, do you see the last search? Have you seen that new thing? Mm. No. After you've done it, after you've done a Google search, go back okay. and start another Google search and under that it'll say last search. It'll show you the last thing you searched for. So you can keep resuming editing that. Isn't that handy? Oh, I like that. I don't know if I don't know, you might be faking, but if you no, go no, start no, I'm doing start it typing right now. your name and then select from the Google search results. You go, oh, no, no, that's not actually what I wanted. You go back, and now your last search is there. That's very handy. I feel like I've seen that, but I don't, I don't remember. I think that's new. I think that's new. Thinking through it in a, in a conscious way of like, I can, that is a feature that I can rely on being there. Well, I, I mean, if y'all are anything like me, and I hope you're not, uh, it's going to take some getting used to to use this little touchpad thing to, to remember that you can do it. But brother, you really want to start doing this. It's, I mean, there's all kinds of things that I've just gotten used to as a thing that drives me crazy. Like one of the things I've gotten used to that drives me crazy is like, no matter how, if I feel like this has gotten worse over time, maybe my thumbs are greasy and big, but like I can never hardly ever get the cursor between the last letter of a word and the period. It almost always goes after the period. Right. You know what I mean? When I'm selecting yeah. with my thumb, yep. like, I don't know why, but that just always happens. I, I, I rarely get where I want to go. And then when I'm selecting, I end up selecting, starting with the wrong line. And you know, I'm just bad at that. That has gone away now. I can fly, it's like John Syracuse with a mouse. I mean, I can fly so fast to exactly where I want to go on a screen of text now, it, it'd make your head spin. So I'm going to just suggest, this is my endorsement, try making yourself use the text selection thing more. If you don't know what we're talking about, uh, please see the link in show notes, Dan. And as much as you are comfortable saying, 
Uh, where can people find show notes for episode diggity uh, 243 of your Back to Work program? 5by5.tv slash B as in boys, 2 as in the number, W as in work, slash 243. And the show notes are all right there. You can also, from that page, subscribe to um, our uh, very, very low volume once a week email. You can get an email of those show notes sure. uh, sent to you. Why not? It's a nice thing. You don't even need a reason. So, yeah, how to use the keyboard as a trackpad on your iPhone 6S. Right. Anyway, that's most, I've got other stuff too, but like I'm still discovering this stuff. It's just, again, it's one of those things. It's such an Apple thing. You've really got to use it to get it. And even then, like you've got to really, really use it to get it. So, um, and also here's the funny part. Here's the part that's ponderous is that you've got that. So you can do that selection thing on an iPad but there's the slightly less organic way of having to slide two fingers across the keyboard to enable it, right? Because it doesn't have the 3D touch capability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can still do that, and that is actually really helpful. It's fantastic. I always, but, I always forget the two-finger thing. Always forget it. I, now I'm using it like many, many times a day on the iPhone, and I still rarely remember to do it. But it's kind of weird. I mean, it's like on the one hand, you get the glory of that on of the success, but then you get the split view on the iPad. Like, you know, it's not all there yet. Are you using split view for much yet? The main thing that I'm using split view for is if I am, if I'm doing something in Safari and I'm taking notes on it, I will have Safari open to the largest size. And then I've got like a tiny little chamber where I'm taking notes. So that's one example. Uh, The other thing that I find I will do frequently is put messages in that little chamber of horrors over on the side so that, you know, if I'm communicating with someone or different people, that it's very easy for me to communicate with them while I'm focusing on the, on the other thing. I'm not, I find I'm not doing a whole lot of truly split view stuff, but there are still a lot of apps that don't support it. Like I just discovered today that Byword doesn't, Byword doesn't support it. Neither does editorial. I don't know what's wrong with uh, developers. They, you know, they're, they're (laughs) get off their yachts and, Come down and give us the features we need, you know? Oh, They're, my goodness. You know, it's not always a vacation, guys. Oh, my goodness. Um, no, but I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, as as the apps that we love and have loved for many years start to uh, start to give out their updates. So I find that in the morning, I'm like, excited, like, oh, have they done enabled split screen yet? Because that's like, a, that's a big, that's something I'm, I'm very spoiled with it already. Just because it is so handy to go and have those apps and not have to switch between two different apps completely. Uh, I'm not, you know, interestingly, as much as I'm using it on the iPad, I don't use, I don't use the sort of split view stuff in El Capitan very much. It's, there are, there are people who have always been expose, mission control people, full screen people. I am not one of those people. I've sometimes accidentally done it and I can't figure out how to undo it. Or I'm like, ah, <laughs> I, I don't know what, I don't know right. what possessed me to drag a Safari window into the <laughs> menu bar. Right. Must be my medication, but ah, and it's like now place this next to this. I'm like, why would I do that? Right, I and the way have you, windows. They're called windows. Yeah, the way you do it is kind of. Uh, I don't. I don't want to go as strong into the using the word clumsy implementation on on macOS, but it's anything where you have to hold down a, a one of those little the, the green light. I think is how you do. You like you hold it down and you drag and. Whereas on, on iOS, it's just, oh, just slide the thing over. It's just so yeah, easy. Yeah. You can also try this, though. Uh, grab your menu bar and then just drag it up above the menu bar. I'm mm-hmm. oh, sorry. Let me start over. Okay. Those are just words that I'm saying. <laughs> if you if grab, like a, in my case, a Chrome window in the grabbable area and then drag it up into the menu bar 
I say, I say, and there'll be a little pause and then it lets you, I guess, is that how you've always been able to do that, I guess, but that's one way to, to do it. And then what you're saying is you, gr- you click the green clicky thing. I think so. And, and hold it. So, now, so. It just, now it just gave me full screen. <laughs> I'm clicking. Oh dear. Oh no. Go back. You click it. I'm clicking. This might crash everything. And now it says, what half of the window do you want this right. to be on? Yeah. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fall for it. <laughs> Okay. Oh no, I made it half the screen. Oh no, I can't get out. Right, let's, let's restart the show. Right. Anyway, that's all I got. You want to talk about your cable? Yeah, I would. Let me tell you about the second thing I like. I like Squarespace. Mm-hmm. Easiest way to create a beautiful website, a blog, or online store. This is, this is what's great about Squarespace. They make it easy to get your time back. That's, they're going to have to run with that. Mm. Uh, because I'm just I'm coming up with ideas for them. Squarespace is going to help you. Yeah. Okay. Get your time back. Get your time back. Because right now, that time is probably going to a lot of, uh, forgive my French, monkey business. (laughs) Monkey business. It's all monkey business (laughs) with your webpage you're making, your homepage for your business. And that just ends up being monkey business. And when you could just get that time back by going to Squarespace. I don't know about you, Merlin, but Mm -mm. the, the, the commodity that I most treasure and the commodity that I find I trade in now is time. Mm. And anything that allows me to spend less of my time, acquire more of my time. To, to, to steal other people's time. Steal other people's time, yes. It's like the Bitcoin of existence. Oh. Put, it, put it in your wallet. Talk about ideas and dispensing of ideas. Mm. I want to do the least amount of work possible on the things that are outside of my wheelhouse and building web pages, uh, posting things to an internet. These are the kinds of things that I don't want to, I don't want to spend my time doing because they are now as of Squarespace seven, they are a solved problem. If you want to build a website for your business, for your app, for your marriage, whatever it is that you want to do, you go there and they have these wonderful templates all you do, you go in, you start, you start uh, moving sliders around. And all of a sudden, you've got a completely different site than you started with 15 minutes ago, and it's fun. It's fun to do. It's easy to do. And you will be shocked at the amount of variety that is available just by going into that design tab and just starting to change things around. You can take a site that looks one way, make it look like something completely different. And that's the one thing I think people are a little hesitant about well squarespace all those sites look the same they really don't you can do no, so they don't. much so can much I, can i get can i give you a demo and go ahead caller okay thank you uh, first time uh, karina longworther <laughs> go to vidiocy like it sounds v-i-d-i-o-c-y.com and this is a a woman whose work i discovered recently she has a panoply podcast uh, called you must remember this which is a history of hollywood podcast i'm currently listening to her something like 10 part series on Charles Manson and Hollywood. That's amazing. Do you see her site? It's pretty crazy. But look, scroll down. Look how the stuff moves. Do you know what this would have taken to do like two years ago? But guess what? Scroll to the bottom. Boom. Powered by Squarespace. See? This does not look like every other site. So then up in the top bar there, go click on You Must Remember This Podcast. I'm telling you to go make this kind of thing on your own and have it work on browsers. You would have had to. You would have had to like hire nerds to do this. Well, you have nerds now. Go to Squarespace. You can make a site like this. 
I think this is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. And uh, you can have your own gorgeous site. Here's what you do. You go to squarespace.com slash back to work. Simply visiting that URL supports the show, supports Merlin Mann's efforts in this area. Hello. And uh, when you're there, if you would like to get 10% off your first purchase or your client's first purchase, think about that. You will use the code. It's your show. All one word. It's your show. Squarespace.com slash back to work. It's your show is the code. And uh, thank you very much to them for supporting back to work. Build it beautiful. Build it. You never would guess the connections between um, Charles Manson and Hollywood. It's very I interesting. Tweeting about that. What is well, that? Well, at first I was like, mm, that's like a little bit of a stretch. But there's it's actually, it's she makes a very interesting case for like, on the one hand, all these weird connections with people or children's of people, children's, 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 yeah. <laughs> children's of people from Hollywood, <laughs> like, you know, uh, like Doris Day's son and, you know, uh, Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys. But then like also just all these connections with like the changing culture and the filmmaking in Hollywood, the kind of the new Hollywood that people called it, you know, the Robert Evans era beginning. And uh, I don't know. She's, she's a great storyteller and, and great enunciation. She has a very hard T that I, that I like. Mm. Uh, T like in... Uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. You right must now. remember this. <laughs> I see that way. I think my Louis Armstrong <laughs> might be turning into my Tom Waits. Oh my God. Well, you play the Tarantino, the hounds will start to roar. The boys out go to hell and then the Cubans hit the floor. Oh my they God. drive along the pipeline, they tangle to the shore. <laughs> um, wow. You must remember this. <laughs> oh man uh, tell me about your cable I can't I cut it but just cut it right off I call well, snip I called Mus- called on the phone and like told a ca- them a cable, a cable moil they call it and when do, did you cancel yours recently or do you still have it um I don't know I might have cable I'm not sure mine's a whole different story mine is it's a cluster poop. My whole relationship with Comcast, I you know, it's just it was a whole different story. But yeah, I think I might have it. I might have canceled it. I'm not sure. I might still have cable. I'm yeah. not sure. But um, but I get my stuff. I have a Cascade, and um, let's put it this way: like even with the Leaf, even installing the Leaf, I said this before, mm-hmm. but having that Leaf antenna for over the air, you know, uh, legacy TV, right. It's just so much garbage. I hate it so much. And when we go into a hotel room and just flip, it's like, this is, I, I will never again pay to have this much garbage brought into my house every month. Like you're paying for all of those infomercials. You're oh, paying yeah. money. Like it might be a little, you're paying a penny for it, whatever. But like all of that. You are supporting those things. Well, kind of. And it's like, yeah, it's super frustrating, but like, I just don't feel good about feeling like the only way to um, amortize Ninety dollars a month is to watch more of this junk. Like I would rather, I would rather just buy the, the dumb way I buy now, where I probably spend. I almost certainly spend more than eighty dollars a month because of the way I buy stuff. Mm-hmm. But like but you're you know, buying the stuff you want, and you're supporting the things that you think are worth supporting. And it's not quite that noble. I mean, like I still really bristle at being, paying three dollars an episode for Project but, Runway. I think that's a little steep. Well, fine. It's steep, but you're spending money on things that you want and you may be overpaying for them, but you're still being decisive. I'm the the real hero. Yes. So anyway, you cut the cable. Well, yes, finally, at long last. And we, so the services that we've got now, obviously we pay uh, for internet and 
I don't, that's, we could spend a whole show about how outrageous the pricing here in Austin is and how, of course, it's not a monopoly because I could go away from Time Warner Cable and I could go to AT&T and I could get, you know, 24, 25 uh, megs down, 25 megs down, ridiculous. Uh, or I could get 300 megs down from Time Warner Cable for the, about the same price. So yeah, that's so that I, business, I, business, business. Ugh, so I pay uh, for that. Grande, I think, is the other one that I wish they could would be in my area because they're they're pretty good. But so I have that, and I went and I got all of these different boxes from out of the all all of the different rooms that were under all the different TVs and different devices, then remotes and things, and I put them into a big box. And I went, you know, because when you cancel, and they were actually for my call, not one of my uh, coworker employees' uh, calls. Okay. That went Here horrible. We go. That went horrible. Here we go. But my phone call to them was not that bad. It was really not that bad. Hers was absolutely miserable and and horrible, and they pr- almost refused to disconnect her cable when she tried to do it. But for me, it was fine. And they asked me a couple questions. Well, what are you what are you using? What are you going to be watching instead? Like, are you going to be using Netflix or Hulu or what are you going to be using? So I had you know I, I humored them and answered some questions. But they actually and then at the very last second, right when they're about to hit submit. On their uh, on their form, well, you know what? We could actually save you a little bit of money on your internet package if you're willing to just sign up <laughs> for just basic cable. It's only forty dollars a month, but it'll save you eight dollars on your internet. I'm like, uh, no, I'll pass on that. Thank you. So then, that you have to take all your own, own equipment in, and this is the part that this is the the essence of the story. It just just to show you how messed up this whole thing is. They have, I kid you not. A two foot tall by three foot wide plaque directly in the center of the building, right between the big doors. When you walk up to it, it's silver and it has a giant symbol of a, of a handgun on it with the big Ghostbusters no symbol across it what? that lists the statute that says that it is illegal to possess or bring a handgun or we- any kind of weapon like that into the facility. They must have thought that was something they needed to have. Yes, because they know that you're going to get so angry at Time Warner Cable that you are likely to bring a a concealed handgun in with you to Mm. talk about your bill. That they felt that they needed to post this huge – I almost took a picture of it, but I I felt like I was being surveilled, so I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. But like – that's they already know people are kind of come in there angry and maybe with a gun. It's and they had like three security guards standing there when you walk in the door. I felt like it was like almost like uh you know like a TSA kind of experience just to go and return this equipment, which I was so glad to get rid of. But since then, you know, it's only been a few days. But using using Netflix and using Hulu and using uh, Plex and iTunes and some Amazon stuff. Uh, we're saving a bit of money, not a tremendous amount of money, unfortunately, on HBO, you know, HBO Now. But it's like you're saying, it's like I feel like I'm – the money that I'm spending, at least I'm buy, I, I know what I'm buying with it. I know what that money is essentially being used for. And it, yeah, I think like 15 bucks for the amount that I'm probably going to be using HBO Now, that feels like a little bit much. But at least I know, like, I'm spending money on HBO now, and this is what I'm getting for it. And that's exactly what I'm getting for it, you know? And, and you know, Hulu, my kids and my wife are watching tons of stuff on Hulu. And I upgraded to the kind that doesn't have commercials. Yeah, it. me too. And I, I'm thankful that I can do that. And is it a little bit much? Maybe. But I know what I'm getting, and I know what's there, you know? Yeah. That's my story. Yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, well, first of all, if you're, hmm, I, I'm not saying this will always work, but, but something that has worked for me is you, when you call someplace and you say, um, I need to cancel my service today. Right. Now, they're going to ask you a lot of questions. And some of the questions are going to be the kinds of questions about that sound like it's part, it sounds like it's part of like the normal process of disconnecting. They're only doing that to soften you up because they're asking you what sound like sensible questions. So then they can ask you things like, so are you going to use Amazon Fire or Hulu? No matter what they ask you, there is exactly one response to everything that they say. I have no money. <laughs> well, could you, could we talk a little, what, what kind of stuff? I have no money. I have no money. I, I can't pay you. I have no money. I wow. have no money. I have no money. Because as long as the salesman is still talking, they're still closing. You know, I feel bad. I feel bad. I know it's hard and that's, I don't want to be that guy, but like it is, it is kind of weird how hostile it is. I mean, there are so many numerous examples. There was the example of, was it Ryan, Ryan, what's his head? Um, calling to try and cancel, uh, was <laughs> yeah. it AOL? Uh, from, uh, from Boing Boing. Yeah, Ryan Block was it? Yeah, I think so. And he was trying but, to cancel his stuff. Yeah, like there's that. And there's all kinds of things where like, who was it? Somebody in my Twitter feed was trying to return a, uh, like, I think an Android device. <laughs> and it's funny because like, and it was like, I think a Google device. But the thing was like, Google has no way for you to contact them by phone for almost anything, except when you need to return something. <laughs> And when you when you turn something, you first have to do a call before they'll issue you what becomes a refund. You first have to have this like exit interview about what what the hell is wrong with you that you're getting rid of this thing. You know, even if it's broken, you still have to have that call. Whereas with Amazon, I've had maybe five things ever I had to return to Amazon. You go in, you print out the RFP, you say, I did I just don't want this. <laughs> I accidentally ordered this, whatever it is, you click it, you get the return form, and that's it. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. I, this boy, there's still so much evolution to come with all of this stuff. But, you know, I, I hate to make it into some kind of moral crusade because it's not precisely a moral crusade. It's more just a moral crusade where like, well, like I say, when I'm in a hotel room where I'm watching over the air TV, we're watching a baseball game or something. And it's just like, this is so gross. You know, there's just, there's just so much stuff on. And the phrase I keep using, it sounds silly. It's like, I don't want this in my house. I don't want this in my house. Like I sound like an old, like a, like a scolding old, like religious uh, person, but like, <laughs> I don't want my kid to grab the remote. I don't, I don't want her to see this many ads for boner pills. I cannot believe how many ads and forgive me because I don't watch commercials. But when I do see commercials, I'm struck by the fact that apparently one third of commercials are about some kind of medicine. It's, or, you know, pharmaceuticals. It's, it's weird. so strange. <sighs> we watched Insidious in a hotel room. That was fun. That was better than I thought. Are you? Oh, 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 oh! Speaking of Patrick Wilson, you watch a Fargo? No. Holy cats! You need to fix that today. I do. I thought you loved Fargo. Did I you love the last movie. Year? I've never watched the the TV show. Oh, the season's really good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, if I ever sat down and like looked at Mint or sat there and actually, you know, tallied up what I spend, it's more money than I would be happy spending on entertainment. But, mm. um. I feel a little bit better about, like you say, knowing what it is that I'm getting mostly. So like even with Hulu, the, um, you know, the extortion that I pay to not have to see Geico ads all the time, like my daughter can like enjoy Powerpuff Girls in peace. Right. You know? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, now word is apparently 
you can order an Apple TV starting on Monday? Monday, like. October 26th, my birthday. You'll be able to order an Apple TV, and it will be in stores and shipping, shipping. in a week. Yeah, by the end of the week, I heard. Wow, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's weird. It's weird that like when, when we bought our first non, you know, like cathode ray TV, like when we first got our first skinny TV and it had HDMI ports on it, I guess, you know, or it was like, well, what do we do with all these? And now we, we, we're like two HDMI ports behind at this point. We have to switch out to be able to use all our HDMI devices. Yeah, they have little, little clicker things you can get for that. But Well, I just, I never imagined that that would happen. I mean, I can, if I cast back to the TV as recently as the TV we had before this, I mean, what do we have? We had, I think we had component coming out of the Wii. We had maybe, you know what? I think our only HDMI at that point was our Blu-ray player, probably. But now, I mean, we've got, we've got the Wii U, which is HDMI. The Roku, the Amazon Fire TV, the Apple TV. I mean, and we're not, we're not talking about like incredibly costly devices here, but we use the Blu-ray so seldom that that one's almost always unplugged. But like, if it's like, oh, we got to listen. <laughs> like, my daughter got some uh, Spanish homework uh, on a CD, and I was like, really? Uh, okay, so <laughs> I have to go plug in the the Blu-ray player. At this point, we have we have a jam box in the garage. It accepts a CD, but at this point, I never, I can't even believe this. The only device we have that plays discs in our house is our unplugged Blu-ray player that we plug in three times a year. So I, I just ripped it, <laughs> just ripped it on um, iTunes, put it on iTunes Match, and now uh, we listen to her Spanish lesson on the Apple TV. <laughs> Could you imagine that ten years ago? You just wouldn't even touch discs anymore. I mean. They were something that was so much a part of just using a computer for so, so long. You know? got everything, 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 everything was that way. Software, music, movies, everything. And now, I mean, like we're reading the Harry Potter books now. We've just started reading them and which it's the bedtime books. Harry. We finished the uh, Howard Hughes, uh, his life and madness book. Harry Potter was next. So we're reading we're, what the plan is to read the book and then watch the movie and then read the book and watch the movie. So, you know, just the idea that like, you know, it used to be that you would go and say, Oh wow, these DVDs came out. This is the box set, the DVD box set. And then the Blu-ray box set. I yeah. completely missed Blu-ray. I've never had a Blu-ray player. I've never bought a Blu-ray disc unless it well, came the only with the way DVD. To watch, it's the only it was and is sometimes the only way to watch some things. Yeah, it's 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 sickening. What did I just add to mine? Oh, there's a Monty Python 40th edition. I just put on my wish list. It comes with a catapult and a castle and stuff like that. But like that, I mean, but no, but I mean, to me, that's way definitely the quarter last resort. I can't believe you don't even own one. Do you nope. not have? What about a uh, a game device that plays Blu-rays? Nope. You have no way to play Blu-rays in your house. No. No way to play it. Wow, that's amazing! No way to play it. I, if you gave me a Blu-ray, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know what to do with wouldn't it. Know what to do with a it? Coaster? Wouldn't know where to put it. Terrible oh. coaster. Terrible coaster. There's no uh, absorbency. No, I feel like to me, I felt like Blu-ray the same way about Blu-ray that I did about Laserdisc, which is that it was it was expensive and problematic, and everyone who talked to me about Blu-ray hated it and said they were slow and they were awful and this that, and the other thing, and it just never. Uh, I did spend $21 on an individual uh, DVD player exclusively so that I could play uh, Interstellar 4-5 
for my kids because there was no way to get a legal uh, copy of that through streaming or on a store or anything else. And it's a notoriously difficult DVD to rip if someone was inclined to do such a thing. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it's um, that was the only reason. But no, I've never gotten a Blu-ray player. I don't have an Xbox that can play it. I don't have a, a PS4 or anything, although the PS4 with the Star Wars game looks compelling. Uh, I don't own that. But, it, you know, that's my my thing. Again, in talking to you on Reconcilable Differences, we talked a lot about Destiny, which mm-hmm. sounds like a fascinating game. But, you know, any kind of video game for me at this point, like, again, I, that phrase amortize. And what, what do we mean by that? Well, when you think of amortizing, amortizing alone, you think amort- I think of amortizing as like, wow, you know, uh, $200,000 is a lot of money to spend for something, but it's a house and you could live in it for 30 years. So you're amortizing that. If you think about that in terms of what you pay each day, you know, accounting for inflation, right. that's not a, not a terrible deal. But you know, it, so when I think about amortizing, I'm saying like, okay, if I pay $80 a month for this, that means just quick back of a napkin. That means I'm paying over $2 per calendar day for this. So if I don't watch TV today, I blew $2 in terms of amortizing. And that's a silly way to look at it. But that's why, to me, when I look at something like that, even a, a video game, so what's your cost? $400, like a throw just to get involved? Yeah. Now, to feel like I've made that money back, I've got to play that a lot? Well, yeah. of course, you want to play it a lot, but like, ah, that's like a new eel for me. Like, I don't need a new thing to like go spend time and money on. Like, I've got enough of that. And, you know, and again, I mean, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but I've said this before, but like, I feel like there's certain kinds of things that are almost always a loss for me that feel like a loss. I've said to you before, you know, I'm not a big fan of driving a car. So like to me, like it's the, one of the worst losses is you have to drive somewhere to spend money. Like driving somewhere for an experience is one thing. Spending money like from your home on something you want is great. But like if you have to like drive to PG&E to pay a bill, oh my God, there's like five things I hate about that. <laughs> and so that's, that's discs for me. Like discs are like loss, 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 especially if it's a DVD. The only way you can get a movie is on DVD and it's like, oh God, it's so gross. And like, even like we got this, you know, the Homer Simpson model of Blu-ray, like the second cheapest one you could get on Amazon. The, it's a Sony and the experience of using this thing is so excruciating, Dan. You thought it was bad using a DVD player. There's so much unskippable stuff. You got to, you know, get through these ads. There's all these different menus and top menu and other menu and menu menu. And <laughs> I grant, I think, you know, there are people like Moises who are collectors of Blu-rays. Like if you love Criterion movies and like you want to get all those movies, that, that's a thing. Like I get that and you get a good player. Right. But I, that feels like total loss to me. I feel like we've really hit rock bottom when I'm, when I'm putting uh, the cat adventures in Espanol into a Blu-ray player. <laughs> it's like, no es bueno. Yeah, I... There is a very different when you enter the what I would call the connoisseur space or the collecting space. You know what I mean? Where the connoisseur space? Well, you know, like Moises is is into movies like no one else I've ever met is is into movies. So for someone like him, I believe it absolutely makes sense to have a uh, physical copy of the media that you can watch on fantastic uh, equipment. And create an amazing experience because that's but that's a very different space than than I'm in with uh, with my situation having two kids and and how we watch and the you know it's the TV that I have isn't even worth connecting the Blu-ray player to right I know what you mean yeah. you know so 
it's a very different kind of a mindset and experience. And, you know, perhaps one day in the far distant future, I may desire or be able to have that kind of experience, but it's no longer something. And there was absolutely a time when I did feel that way. This was around the same time when I was roasting my own coffee beans and grinding them in a burr grinder and, you know, wishing for the existence of something like an AeroPress. But uh, I don't have that those luxuries of time, and I'm not sure that I would want to invest in creating that kind of experience anymore. My priorities have are, are different now, not better, not worse, just different, right? And um, and so, like now that I'm away from that, I just want to be able to like quickly find the thing and hit play, and that's my goal, mm-hmm. you know. And if the black black if the blacks aren't perfectly black, and it's a little pixelated here and there. Did I still laugh at it with my kids? Then it then it won, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, uh, but I I feel like I did miss out on the whole Blu-ray thing. Like I missed out on the Laserdisc thing too, you know. Like yeah. it just kind of passed me by. A lot happens in five years now. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. I'm I'm sitting here now on Plex.tv, and they just announced their new um, Plex Media Player. Boy, this thing just keeps getting nicer and nicer. Is it a physical device or software? No, I mean, there's Plex Media Server, which I'm more familiar with, and then this is Plex Media Player. But you should look at this thing. I'll put it in show notes. It's really pretty. It's very interesting. I think it's going to be super interesting to see what happens with this Apple TV. I'm going to feel much better about the 153 movies I bought from them. Yeah, right? Yeah. Did you get that Iron Giant? No. It's a good one. It's a good one. Good good features, good stuff. We talked about that before. Yep. Anyway, deseo el bistec con ensalada de sope y de postre fruta. Corta el pelo detrás de las orejas. What is, uh, what's that? Oh, I just ordered a steak uh, and some salad and fruit and ask you to uh, cut my hair behind my ears. <laughs> okay. Camarera, le cuenta por favor. I think that'll uh, wrap it up for this week. Yeah, let's do, All right. let's do it. <clears throat> okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. 